welcome to the next episode for Cumbria Events Eventing Talk podcast. I'd like to introduce my next guest who happens to be my eventing bestie. Sophie McDermott, who has their Facebook and Instagram pages called Knock Equestrian. If you don't know them, do go and give her a like. Um, we met via an incident um, a few years ago, which we'll talk about shortly, but we've been in touch and we are regularly catching up um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we generally talk for hours, so we'll try and keep this podcast uh, to a nice window, but I'm really excited to introduce her today and have her on the show because Sophie has a chronic illness that she manages and does an amazing job managing it. Um, I think you'll be astounded when you hear what she struggles with every day. Um, and also she rides full time, she has horses in the work, and she is just downright a cool person. So I'd like to welcome Sophie. So welcome Thank to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're a nice person. Um, so I would like you to start off um, just to tell our listeners who may not know you, um, where you're from, what you're doing at the moment, talk a little bit about the horses you've got on the yard just to introduce them and then we'll come back and chat a bit more about them all because they've all got a really interesting background too. Yeah, so um, I'm based in the northeast um, of England and we're really lucky we have loads of amazing events around us and uh, I have my horses on a yard that I rent myself um, and I work full-time with horses teaching and riding and um, sort of doing schooling liveries and things like that. Um, so at the moment, I've got four guys in on my yard. Um, I've got Buddy, he's my newest one. I got him last year from the Irish Thoroughbred uh, Rehoming Agency. He's a nine-year-old chaser who just wasn't quite fast enough. Um, so he came out of racing last year. He'd been a little bit of a delinquent um, and he was just looking for some direction. and. Basically, he's a, a proper athlete and he needed a job. So he came to me to hopefully find a new career and he seems to be taking to it quite well. So we're hoping to get him fully up and running this season. Then I have Barney, um, he's on loan from a lovely family that I met through Twitter eventing on Facebook. I was looking for another ride at the time and didn't have the money to buy one and um, just sort of put the feelers out there to see if somebody had anything I could have on loan and they got in touch and the guy that used to ride him was going off to do a farrier apprenticeship. He um, had kind of been his horse of a lifetime and done all the junior things with him. So they didn't want to sell him and he'd had a couple of injuries. So they were hoping he could go somewhere and continue his career. So they got in touch and asked if I'd like to have him. So he came over and we had sort of two seasons getting to know each other. Then, unfortunately, he picked up quite a big injury at Belsay last year and it was a little bit worrying at the time as to whether he was going to come back from it. But fingers crossed, he seems to have, have made a miraculous recovery from a, a very severe tendon tear and he did his first course of jumping yesterday and so far so good. So we're hoping to get him back up and running once the ground kind of dries up and the weather gets a little bit more reliable. I'm probably going to aim to start him at Richmond because it's one of our local ones. The show jumping's on a surface and the cross-country ground is usually pretty as close to perfect as you can get and it's nice and flat. So that'll be a good one to start him at. And then the other two stables are filled by schooling liveries, which is kind of how I make my money and my job. Um, so I've got a four-year-old in for a lovely client of mine. He's a Hanoverian cross-Irish draft, absolutely gorgeous boy, just learning about life and doing a bit of everything probably going to go to be sort of a general riding horse do a bit of everything 
So we're just trying to give him the broadest start to life, but he's dead straightforward and he's really enjoying himself. So having a lot of fun working with him. And then my long-term resident is my sister's horse. Uh, she works full-time in healthcare. So she doesn't really have a lot of time to get over to the yard during the week. And I think it's a problem that a lot of kind of amateurs struggle with. Um, so she'd placed him with me so that I could keep him fit during the week and she could maybe just do gym stuff after work. And then on a weekend when she can get over and ride, they can have some fun rather than be stressing about them not being fit enough to get out and do things. So she comes over on a weekend and goes out and does some competitions, which I think is incredible because I could not do that only riding twice a week. But um, he's they're an amazing partnership and I'm hoping to help support them up to they're wanting to aim for the 100 regional final thing at Blair this year so we're hoping to to get up there but we'll see and then uh, my long-term boy he's just gone on holiday for the summer he's got a, a minor injury so we're giving him a year off but he was my horse of a lifetime my little 15-2 pocket rocket that I bought with no expectations was hoping he'd be a grassroots horse and he took me to be a working pupil for Andrew Nicholson for a year um, I did my first internationals on him and my first intermediates. So I'm hoping he'll come back and we'll get to do my first three star as well. But otherwise it might be on somebody else, but we'll see. <laughs> that is an amazing team of horses. I am. Um, I yeah. Thank you very much for letting everyone know that because I think that there's several things um, with the group of horses you have in your yard. And um, I'm a big fan of like how how amazing owners are loaning horses out to people. Yeah. You know, I got classy um, from Olivia Wilmot and ha I didn't really know Olivia at that point and they were generous enough to let me have him and he transformed my life. So I, I think it is a big pat to um, the Barnes owners to have got in touch with you and, and loaned you their precious horse. And um, I think the, the knock on from that is the amount of care you've given him with his tendon injury because his tendon injury was pretty severe and yeah. the, like I remember you telling me that that was it now his career was over yeah so for him to come back like what have you done like how, how did you manage that so, so oh god it was the worst phone call I've ever had to make um when I'd gone down to the yard and I saw his leg and it was the classic banana you know you looked at it and you knew it was a tendon and you knew it was bad um, we were very lucky that he wasn't lame and that was his saving grace. He was completely comfortable. Um, he wasn't. He couldn't understand why he wasn't allowed to just keep in work. So when the vet came and scanned it and we saw the 10 centimetre hole surface to car, we were a bit concerned. Um, but we thought as he wasn't lame and he wasn't uncomfortable, um, we'd, we'd just see how he went. And his owners were amazing because I rang them in floods of tears and they actually ended up consoling me more than I was consoling them. Um, and they said, just just give him some time and we'll see how it goes. And they were fantastic. And, you know, they, they never put the onus on me to, to sort of rehab him and, and look after him. But I really wanted to um, because I love him and he's part of the team now. So um, they've supported me kind of every step of the way and, and helped me with the decisions. And we've had both my vet and their vet looking at his scans and, and keeping us updated. But touch wood, everything has kind of gone to plan every step of the way. So we began with cold hosing 20 minutes, three times a day. Um, I would ice him before that. So I would bandage the ice onto his legs for, for 10 minutes and then cold hose for 20 minutes when I took the ice off. And then we used the horsewear ice vibe boots. And 
I mean, I don't know the science behind it, but I did research and it, it said that it was good for helping promote tendon regrowth. So with the injury that he'd been given and the sort of prognosis from the vets, I didn't really think it could hurt. So we would just try and see how it went. So he had those on three times a day initially for the first six weeks. And when the vet came back to rescan, we had fiber regrowth and everything was looking like it was lining up. So we then began hand walking, which was a bit entertaining because anybody who's met Barney, he's not the easiest to handle on the ground. He's fantastic to ride, but on the ground, he can be a little bit feisty. And at 17.3, it can be a bit frightening. So um, it was me that did all of the hand walking because nobody else was um, sort of secure enough to give it a go. So we began with sort of 10 minutes and built up and we eventually ended up doing 40 minutes hand walking and I was gobsmacked that he actually behaved and did it. I didn't think there was a chance I'd get up to 40 minutes with him. Um, but we did it and then on the rescan after that, he got the okay to go to the water treadmill. So he went over to a place local to us, Thorpe Farm Rehab and Fitness. Um, the guys there are amazing. We've been using them for years, but we sent him over for a residential stay. So he did three weeks there with the treadmill and the theraplay every day. And when he came home was when we started him back into proper work. Um, we've done absolutely loads of road work. We've bored him to tears with hacking, I think, but um, it's done the job. And he's now up to full schooling and jumping courses. So we're still taking things really steadily, probably being overcautious, but I'd rather be that way than the other way. Um, but the leg now scans as a normal tendon. So fingers crossed. That is amazing. We can keep it that way. <laughs> and I'm sure anyone listening, like, you know, all of us as horse owners have had a horse that has required um, recovery. I mean, Kenny last year, um, I had to deal with uh, 12 weeks of him with a fractured pedal bone and a hoof cast and stuff. Um, and then this winter, he's had to have no shoes on to allow the foot to like change shape because the hoof cast changes heel shape and stuff. So yeah, it's um, I can totally sympathise. But actually, like the recovery that Barney's gone through is amazing. And um, it is funny, isn't it, how horse like him, you know, who has to be in work. Um, just they get used to this like weird you know restricted routine um yeah. and you think oh the first time you bring them out and they're like a kite um <laughs> and you think i'm never going to be able to manage this and then they sort of settle into this routine which is quite nice um yeah so i am really i'm i'm astounded actually because you when you told me what his injury was i was like i did think that he was not coming back from that so yeah whatever whatever the world brings now whatever happens in the future is all a bonus isn't it so exactly that's the way we're looking at it he absolutely lives to event and he loves his job and his owners are uh, fantastic and they sort of understand him very well that that that's what he loves to do and if he's able to do it it wouldn't be fair to him to not let him so cool. we're going to be really careful but hopefully we can get him back to what he loves well fingers crossed um we get to see you at lots of events this season okay. um and then actually i'm going to move on to um barney not barney um buddy yeah. <laughs> they're all the bees it's not very helpful there's too many bees <laughs> um big buddy and barney <laughs> it's like it's like the bee yard um so buddy so um I, when you mentioned before about how buddy being an ex-racehorse um requires a job and he's an athlete um, yeah. I think that there are people in the world um, who, and myself, I'm I'm one of those people. I've had a horse that I felt wasn't the horse for me. Um, yeah. I felt not necessarily overhorsed. I just didn't click with the horse. Yeah. Um, and as such, I'm you know I'm comfortable with knowing that that's what 
I want like finding a new home for that horse is a good thing to do and I think there are a lot of people in the world um are sort of um beat themselves up about the fact that they don't end up you know they, they end up in this ownership cycle where they they worry and they put themselves in difficult situations and um and they feel feel sad about it and I think there are also horses out there who need to be in professional yards compared yeah. to amateur yards a horse that isn't suitable to have four days off and be in work and I think exactly. I kind of waffled through that explanation as to my thought process there but um the thoroughbred the Irish and thoroughbred agency I was really impressed when I looked into what they do because they do try and match you because you know an x-ray source is not for everyone but they, yeah. there are many of them that have really good like future lives yeah and so I think it'd be really good to have a little chat about like how you were matched to Buddy because I think that's really interesting one for people to know about yeah well I actually my sister is my top promoter bless her and um it was when Barney was injured in the space of a week um Barney picked up his tendon injury and we realized that Chester's injury was probably more severe than we initially thought and he was going to have to have a prolonged period of time so I went from having two two two-star horses with hopefully one stepping up to three star to nothing to ride in the space of about four days so it was a bad week shall we say and (laughs) my sister knows I love working with race horses I've I've done a few retraining now um, on behalf of clients and things and I just really click with the mentality I think I if I was a horse I'd be a thoroughbred the way my brain works and um, I'm sort of really sporty and really active and we just seem to get on Um, and she sent me the link to the website and I had a little look and there was a form I could fill in Um, And it kind of asked you what you were looking for in a horse, what your budget is, what your experience level is and things like that. So I I filled it all in and I was very blunt and just sort of said I would be looking for something with the potential to produce to at least three star level. Obviously, I'm aware there's no guarantees when you buy a horse, you know, but something that has the ability if everything went to plan and it stayed injury free that it could manage that level one day. Um, and just sent it off and put my budget and what I was happy to sort of pay and um, was I happy to look at ones from Ireland as well which I was so I said yes and um, about 24 hours later I got a phone call um, from a lovely lady in Ireland Susie uh, Barclay and she basically said she had a horse in Uh, he wasn't back at the yard yet but he'd been rehomed and the home just wasn't quite a click they weren't getting on and um they were starting to sort of upset each other a little bit and she thought it wasn't the best fit so maybe he would be happier somewhere else and she explained to me that he seemed to be very active brained and that he just wanted to get on with things um and he wasn't going to be the traditional kind of rehoming where you take things slowly and give them time out and do all the groundwork first he was you know needed to just get on with the job immediately sort of thing So we arranged um, a video consultation because he was in Northern Ireland and I could have got a flight over, but I thought, well, I'll I'll video and see what he's like first and and we'll maybe go from there. So she rang me on WhatsApp on a video call and I saw everything from sort of grooming him in the stable, tacking him up, getting on on the yard, down to the arena, bit of work on both reins and then a jump. And as soon as I saw him jump, I knew he was my type of horse because he came flying down the long side, took an absolute fly, a massive jump and landed and took off. And I thought, yep, that's my kind of guy. So um, I I basically said if he passed his vet in and they would send him over that I was happy to have him. Um, so he passed his five stage vetting with flying colors and he arrived the week after on the transporter. So 
he's absolutely amazing and they were brilliant they stayed in touch for about a month sort of constantly back and forth checking in how is he doing um every time i post on instagram i tag them and they, they share it they're really interested and genuinely care about where their horses end up um the groom from the yard follows me on instagram now and messages to see how he's doing um but yeah they're, they're really about the fit and what i really liked about it as well was they did say you know if you don't get on with him just send him back it's fine mm-hmm. um you do sign a contract with them that basically says that you will inform them um if you sell them on and the home has to they any home you sell them on to has to also sign that contract to say that you know they would end up back there if anything happened and it's basically to make sure that racehorses end up in good homes and don't get passed around and don't end up in the wrong places um but the system works really well and i've been really pleased with it so uh, and i think I think the key comment to that, actually, because I think that's a brilliant thing to say, and I think the key thing that you mentioned was that you were like bluntly honest as to what you needed. Yeah. And in a way, that that's the answer, isn't it? Is if you are looking for something, be bluntly honest about what it is that you're wanting, because you'll probably yeah. find it, and you won't yeah, exactly. the wrong horse. Um, but I think you know, Buddy sounds amazing he doesn't sound like a horse that i would have in my yard like i think his jump i would i would have his jump yeah. <laughs> every day of the week but i think because he's a horse that requires constant work and i work full time yeah um i don't think i'd be able to give that to him so i think it um i think it's really good because they wouldn't have matched me to him um, and yeah. we matched him to you so uh, yeah it's a great it's a great system and and for anyone looking or thinking about an x-race horse um, it's worth looking at them and, and thinking about um, your own, what you what you need from a horse, yeah. basically. So. And they have a variety, you know. I've had another X-Race horse who you could leave for two weeks and go on holiday, come back, jump on, and he'd be exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, there's a total spectrum from dead laid back to totally wild needs work every day. And they're brilliant at kind of sussing that out and matching you up so that you don't end up with something that you don't know what you're getting and could end up frightening each other kind of thing um so but yeah think, it's a good system um, yeah it's brilliant i so i'm actually going to move us on because um i realize we've not got an awful lot of time left <laughs> yeah. um, i'm gonna talk to you i'm gonna grab Faye. actually we'll talk about big um with Faye some other time because i think we should get her on the show anyway um yeah but actually i want to just spend a couple of minutes chatting about your injury not your injury your um your chronic illness um yeah. because you are obviously tying into the fact that you also went and spent time at Andrew Nicholson's because you know everyone yeah. wants to hear about Andrew. Um, <laughs> but also, how the hell did you manage that? Because uh, tell if you tell everyone like what it is you have and how you what you what you have to live with every day, I yeah. think it's astounding that this this is what you manage to do every day. So um, I've got a condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and it's a connective tissue disorder that basically affects every bit of connective tissue in my body. So that goes from sort of collagen, um, like smooth muscle, everything. It's all too stretchy and doesn't work. So on the plus side, I very rarely break things because things just pop out of place and dislocate instead. Uh, But on the downside, it means I get uh, frequent dislocations, a lot of joint pain, um i have trouble with blood pressure issues um dropping and things like that and the most severe complication i have is that i have gastroparesis 
So basically my stomach doesn't work. <laughs> so if I eat anything, um, normally your stomach would like squeeze and push the food through the system. Mine doesn't, it just stretches. So it would then just wait until it was full and either empty by a gravity or it has to come back up. So um, unfortunately in 2020, it got to a point where I was throwing up absolutely everything I ate. So in the space of about three months, I lost 12 kilograms in weight. Um, I couldn't keep anything down and I was really starting to struggle with working with horses full time. Uh, thankfully, I have the most amazing supportive family who kind of drove me to work while I was half asleep and lifted me up onto the back of the horse and lifted me back off at the end. But it was getting to a point where it was unmanageable. I was sort of asleep in the lorry in between phases of competi competitions and other people tacking up for me. Um, so I had a feeding tube fitted in December of 2021. Um, and it's into my jejunum and it's basically just about an eight inch long tube that comes out of my stomach and I'm hooked up to a machine for 12 hours on a night that gives me all of my day's nutrition through the tube um, and because that bypasses my stomach I don't have any issues with throwing up um, but yeah so I have the backpack with me at events sometimes when I'm walking the course and if you spot me I'll have a backpack on and a little tube coming out of it that's just me having my dinner while I while I walk the course um, but actually we've managed it quite well now we've got a bit of a system going so I feel like a normal person <laughs> and I've got as much energy as anybody else so I can kind of crack on with things um, just cool. spend a little bit more time in and out of hospital than most people <laughs> So it's fantastic, actually, that you are feeling better with your genostomy tube being placed because I remember all through that time, like how poorly you were and yeah. like just the awful um, pain that you were in, the discomfort, as well as this lack of ability to eat and the exhaustion and all of that. So I am like, I'm, I'm thrilled that it actually is working and that you are a lot better it is quite funny seeing you walking around with a backpack with your little feeding tube in and, and thinking that that's your daily diet um <laughs> but you mentioned when you were talking about that that you have this amazing support network and i know you do have a support network um because i i know a few of them but um how on earth did you manage with this with this illness when you were down at andrew nicholson's because i imagine it's amazing to work for someone like andrew but also it can't be easy it's not an easy job um no. so how did you get into it first of all and then how did you manage so i was um i was really lucky that at the time i just started up kind of full-time working freelance and i was doing a lot of grooming for people and going around and riding so i would travel to people's yards and ride maybe for people that were out at work or just having problems with the horses that they wanted solving because I quite enjoy a bit of a challenge and working out what's wrong with the horse and how I can help it. Um, and I'd been doing that for about a year and a half to so two years and I sort of felt like I was stuck in a place where I really enjoyed my job and I, I, I liked what I was doing but I couldn't see any progression from it and I didn't like that. So I started to have a bit of an eye out for jobs permanently maybe based with somebody where I could get training or something like that but there wasn't a lot coming up and um, I saw the advert on Facebook actually for a working pupil and definitely an advert for early bird gets the worm because I was up at 5 30 eating my breakfast and I thought I'm just going to reply to this this advert and I sent a Facebook message at 5 30 a.m um, to Andrew's Facebook page where the advert was 
um, with a bit about myself and that I was interested in the job. And uh, Andrew's wife, Wiggy, replied immediately. So she must have been up early too and, um, and said, could I give her a call on the evening? So I rang them on the evening and we had a, a long chat on the phone about things and about the job and what it would entail and, and stuff like that. And they said, basically, it would be a good idea for me to go down for a trial day. Um, now, I live in the northeast of England and Andrew is based in Wiltshire. So it was a bit of a trek. Uh, so I didn't have long to book it. It was the Friday they wanted me to go. And I think I, it, this was the Saturday I was speaking to them. So I booked a flight and I flew from Newcastle to Bristol. I hired a car from Enterprise and drove from Bristol to Wiltshire. And then I drove back again and, and flew back home on the evening and spent a day down there and absolutely loved it. So the trial day consisted of kind of doing the normal yard work, fitting in with everybody. And then I got to ride one of his, I think she was a seven year old at the time, absolute gorgeous horse. She was called Babylonia. I loved that horse. Um, so I got to ride her and do a bit of flat work with her, which I really enjoyed. And I was in the airport on the way home when I got the phone call to offer me the job. So it was really, really exciting. Um, but at the time I was living at home and um, I needed to sort of pack everything up and move within the space of a couple of weeks. So it was quite a, a whirlwind to get everything down there and uh, went down there and, and worked. So the day kind of consisted, we started at half six in the morning, mucking out and doing the yard jobs. And then we'd have about half an hour for breakfast and then back out and start the day, usually about, I think it was, half seven to eight depending on the time of the season that we were in um and then andrew would ride we would tack up for him and warm the horses up um, but he does all of his own riding so we would kind of walk trot and you might get a sneaky canter and a bit of leg yielding in but um on the main part the actual schooling of his horses he does himself and we'd all fight over the nice ones and hide over the naughty ones but <laughs> um send them down the arena and then muck out, stuff like that, on the walker, wash them off, just your general yard work. But then we would also ride our own horses in our in in with the day, so it wasn't outside of work time. And Andrew was always there when we were riding, so he would be teaching at, from the back of a horse for flat work, and then jumping twice a week was one-on-one -on -one with him. So he was on the ground teaching and telling us what to do, which was just absolutely incredible um and totally invaluable so absolutely loved it but yeah in terms of managing um i'm not really sure <laughs> i didn't i didn't sort of um advertise that there was a lot wrong with me because i kind of i always see myself as doing the same as everybody else anyway so i don't shout about it but yeah i think because it was a six till five job i would go in the house at five o'clock on the night and be absolutely exhausted and kind of just go to bed um so i didn't really have a life outside of work but what i learned in that year was was worth more than than doing other things to me so i was happy to kind of put up with it and then on the odd occasion when i was really poorly um the staff there were really supportive and helped me get through the day and would you know do a bit more on the yard to help me out and ease my load a little bit and Andrew and Wiggy were brilliant. Um, when I did have some complications and had to go home for hospital treatments and things, it was, wasn't was part of my holidays. They just let me go and I could still come back and I still have my holidays to use and not have used them all up going to hospital. So yeah, they were really understanding and helpful. So it, it kind of just worked the same as at home. Um, I didn't get to do as much outside of work as I do at home because I, I needed to rest, but Andrew and Wiggy kind of picked up and, and just covered when I needed them to. So it was brilliant.
That's cool. So you would you would recommend to anyone who's thinking of doing a year um, or longer with an event rider, you would recommend yeah. doing that? And I mean, I, I learned so much from being there and I was a little bit older going, um, which I think is probably a good thing to mention because I think a lot of people think if you don't do it at 17, 18 straight out of school, you've kind of missed your opportunity. Um, I went in 2018, so you know, I was quite a bit older, um, a 92 birthday. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> we won't mention the age, but you can do the maths. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and I loved it. And yeah, okay, some of the, the guys there were a lot younger than me, but it kind of didn't matter. We all just got stuck in and did the job anyway. And um, I learned so much from it. It was amazing to have Andrew's insight walking the courses. I did my first two star base with Andrew and he walked the course with me and told me things that I wouldn't have even looked for. He picked up on how my horse needed to be ridden and um, anybody who's seen Chester knows he's not conventional mm -hmm. and really helped. Uh, I couldn't actually do sitting trot on Chester at all when I went to Andrews and he made a few little tweaks to my position that I'd not even thought of. Having been teaching for years, um, I'd not even thought about that and it made such a massive difference and now actually he goes better in sitting trot than he does in rising trot um, and just little things like that the experience that he has was just incredible and also witnessing firsthand what a horseman he is I mean I sound like the biggest fan club ever but seeing how he gets his feral three-year-olds that you would look at and never think are going to become an event horse and how fast they learn to trust him and the bond and you know he goes down the yard every night at the end of the day and, and checks all the horses himself and I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily expect that um, but it was great to see that even at that kind of level you're still a horse person at the end of the day you're still proud of them when they get the first win their first double clear their first whatever you still feel the same doesn't matter if you're sure. Andrew or if you're someone who does it for fun it's that bond you have with a horse that's why we do it you do sound like his biggest fan but you've yeah. also seen the inside. You've been on the inside, which means that if you've come out and still a biggest fan, then that can that's got to be like a gold star um, yeah. <laughs> appraisal, hasn't it? Really. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. And actually, I feel like I might have to get you to walk a cross country course with me now. Um, it's I mean, incredible. Some of the things you pointed out, you wouldn't even it wouldn't even think of. Um, but I guess that's why he's got the cross country record he's got because he does think of these things. But yeah, <laughs> I think I think you and I should do a cross country cross walk at some point. Then um, <laughs> I, I I will book you for that. And uh, anyway, I so actually we're just kind of coming to the end of the podcast now. I think we've I think we've covered so much, and we probably could talk for hours on each individual horse you've got, and actually like um, about how you manage day to day. Um, but just as a last thing, because I think um, the way we met was. It was slightly unusual. Um, I, we just happened to meet through social media because of an incident that happened to you. And um, and I think for anyone listening, what you experienced was horrific. And yeah. so what you have learned from that is probably really useful for us with horse boxes, um, yeah. and trailers and stuff. So um, tell our listeners how we met. So we were on the way home from Skipton Horse Trials um, quite a few years ago now. It had been Chester's first hundred and we were doing the usual, chatting away on the way home, watching the video back on the camera while my dad was driving. And we actually weren't that far away from home. We were probably only about 25 minutes. 
um, we had a blowout. Um, we've had a blowout before. It's never very pleasant, but we kind of knew what to do. So I'd grab the steering wheel to help my dad steer it over to the side of the road. And everything seemed as a normal blowout until we came to a standstill. And as the lorry stopped, there were three really loud bangs and then a lot of black smoke from the front of the lorry. Um, and I don't know how we knew, but we instantly knew <laughs> this is on fire. This is not good. Um, my dad had a little camping fire extinguisher in the front of the lorry. So he he got that out immediately and started on the bonnet. Um, but I don't know if anyone's seen the camping fire extinguishers with a lorry fire. Not really going to do a lot, but I think it did buy us a bit of time. And um, thankfully, it was Chester on the lorry who is is very good to handle. So I immediately jumped out and grabbed his bridle out of the tack locker. Um, unfortunately, I didn't think to get my hat, which in hindsight would have been a good idea. Um, but I just jumped into the back, put the lorry ramp down and we had to unload him into live traffic. Um, by this point, my dad had finished with the fire extinguisher. So he was stood in the middle of two lanes on a, a main road, um, the A19, trying to flag down the traffic. Uh, unfortunately, people weren't stopping which was quite scary as at this point there were flames literally coming up over the roof of the lorry. Um, so we had no choice but to unload Chester into the live traffic behind the lorry and just hope that we could keep him at the side of the road. Thankfully, once he appeared, I think people started to take it a bit more seriously and a tanker pulled across two lanes and blocked the traffic. Um, and me and my sister had hold of Chester on uh, one on either side. Thank God we'd been eventing, so we had the cross-country bridle, so we did have a few more breaks on there. Um, but he was obviously very nervous with all the fire and we couldn't get him far enough away from the lorry at this point. And our biggest concern was the gas canisters being on the lorry, that if the fire reached them, there could be a bit of an explosion going on. Um, the police and the fire brigade were great. They came and they closed both sides of the road and the fire brigade were amazing because they obviously knew they weren't going to be able to save the lorry by the time they got there, but they did ask us, was there anything that we would like them to try and save? So they dedicated a whole fire engine to my tack locker. So we did get my tack out in one piece without um, a little bit soaking wet and we did have to give it a few treatments afterwards, but nonetheless, it, it survived the fire. But we pretty much lost everything else. Um, thankfully, my horse's passport was in my mum's handbag and my mum doesn't go anywhere without her handbag. So when she got out of the lorry, she took it with her. Um, but sort of competition jackets, uh, back protectors, my sister's air jacket blew a hole in the roof of the lorry when the, the canister went up. Um, everything else was, was lost. So we walked away from the fire with, with Tack and our horse and ourselves, but nothing else. Um, which obviously is the main thing, but it was um, a very scary, difficult time. And then I did a post on Facebook begging because I had area horse trials with my um, riding club the next week, if anybody could lend me anything and was absolutely overwhelmed with the response. Um, Super Cross Country sent me new cross country colors that I still wear to this day. Um, obviously you sent me a, a show jacket that got me through the rest of the season. Um, and just people from everywhere that we didn't know sent us all sorts of things to help us keep going. And it was amazing, absolutely incredible. I think that shows the eventing community, doesn't it? When they pull together at a time of need of how yeah. amazing people, how amazing humans can be. Um, yeah. And actually I remember the photos and um, the photos of your lorry burnt out. I mean, it literally was a shell at the end of it, which was- Yeah, it was incredible how fast it went up. Um, I would say, you know, anybody in that situation do not 
hesitated to get the horses out because yeah. by the time we had the ramp down, I mean, I literally jumped out of the front of the lorry, grabbed his head collar and his bridle and ran to the back. And by the time I had the ramp down, the flames were over the top of the lorry. Um, it went up so, so quickly. And it's interesting you, because um, when we like, I didn't know you at that point, but in the communication over like sending, like lending you a jacket, but then the subsequent communication of just chatting and stuff. One of the things that I put into place um, was that I travel with my dogs and the horses. Yeah. Um, and so I actually have now like an emergency bag in my cab of like dog leads and harnesses because yeah. if the dogs are in the cab, if, the, if something happened in my lorry and I needed to get out of the lorry on the side of a motorway, I need my dogs to actually be like suitably restrained. And they do travel with harnesses on, but if I had their leads in the living, I wouldn't yeah. be able to go and grab them in time. So now I have like an emergency stash of stuff to control yeah. the dogs. And we also have like the tack locker, obviously um, we when we're driving, we don't lock the tack locker. Um, yeah. because of the same reason so we lock it if we stop anywhere but we we um have it, it in boxes as we're traveling along because of the fact that you can grab a bridle if you yeah. need to in an emergency um yeah there's like a few little things we've put in place but what what other things do you do now um having learned having witnessed that horrific experience so we made a, a conscious choice obviously I, I I work professionally, but I'm not at the stage where I compare for a full-time groom. So a lot of the time my grooms at competition are family. Um, so we never travel more horses than people on the lorry. And by that, I mean people that can handle the horses because mum is fantastic and she's our resident lorry driver. But if I had to hand her Barney at the side of the motorway, it wouldn't end well. So <laughs> we always make sure if we've got multiple horses on the lorry, and especially if they're difficult to handle horses, we've got enough people that are capable of handling those because in an ideal world, the traffic would have stopped and I could have held both horses, but that didn't happen. And we would have been in a situation where we couldn't unload because the traffic wasn't stopped. And then we're at risk of the horses being in flames before we can get them out. Um, we always make sure that the lead ropes are kept in the back of the lorry so that when we put the ramp down they're immediately there and we can we can get the horses so they we have a way of securing them up so that they don't get tangled with the horses but they're there immediately um we also travel with the quick release bungees so that in a worst case scenario we could just unclip them we've got the lead the bungee attack attached to the head collar and we can lead them out on that if if i could i'd put the lead rope on but if i can't at least we've got something um, tack lock is open and we always spend a few minutes before we come home making sure that the tack locker is reasonably organised um, which sounds daft but at the end of an event and day especially if you've had multiple it's so tempting to just kind of chuck everything in the tack locker and shoot off but if in an emergency you've got to then chuck everything out of your tack locker to find your bridle it's not really helpful so we make sure that at the very least the bridles are hung up and accessible and I put the cross-country bridles on top um, because my gang are all a bit strong. So if we've got the stronger bits to put in an emergency, it's just easier. And we keep our riding hats by the door because I did get a lot of hate um, from the non-riding community when a photograph of me ended up in the local newspaper riding down the, the main road bareback with no hat on, which of course, to the equestrian community, I hope everybody understands why I did it because it was safer to get on him and ride him down the road. And I knew the horse very well. Um, so I knew that walking him down the road was going to be the best option rather than trying to lead him. 
but if I had have been able to get to my hat, obviously it would have been a lot safer um, and a, a lot better image for the equestrian world as well. Um, so we keep the hats by the door now so that they're accessible for safety reasons more than anything else. And um, actually, interestingly, the fire brigade told us that because we'd left our gas canisters connected while we were traveling, um, when the pipes burnt, the gas was able to leak out of the, the canister um rather than explode so that is something that we we do now as well and we've also purchased one of those flashing um triangle lights i can't remember where yes. we got it from but one of those that you can position behind your lorry as an emergency warning sign that you're stationary at the side of the road because thankfully it was daylight when it happened but it always puts in your head doesn't it the worst yeah, case that's scenario a, that's and it could have been worse I think that's from Rider Eye. There's the bright angle yes, yes, um, light. They're so bright. Actually, it's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, I've got one of those in the lorry as well, just inside the living door. Although, actually, yeah. in hindsight, having chatted to you, I should put it in the tat locker. Uh, yes. That's more sense, wouldn't it? So, yeah, yeah, we have everything as accessible as possible and in one place so that you don't have to go in and out to multiple places. Um, you can just open a door, grab everything, and get in the back and get to the horses. Um, and also I've downloaded the app. Is it what three words? Oh yes. Because when I rang, despite the fact we were 25 minutes from home, because we'd been watching the videos of Chester and we were really proud of him because it was his first hundred and he'd gone clear and we were chatting away, end of a long day, not really paying attention, that by the time I looked up and helped pull the lorry over, I didn't actually really know where we were. So I was trying to describe to the police and to the fire brigade this stretch of road that I wasn't entirely sure how far along we were. There was no characteristic like landmarks nearby that I could go off. We weren't near a road sign. It was quite a bit down to the, the marker that gives you the numbers that you can give them. And obviously when your lorry's on fire and you're trying to rescue a horse, you're not running down the road to go and check a sign to see where you are. So I've now downloaded the app on my phone so that I'm able to to give them that and give them the precise location rather than them have to track my phone call. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. a great idea because actually I'm sure um, our listeners will probably agree that there's several times when you've driven somewhere and you've been like, I have no idea where I am. And then you get to the yeah. next junction and you're like, oh, I'm just by Lockerbie. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, I totally like, I know where I am, but in my head, I can't work out exactly where I am. So that's a really good, um, that's a really good um, thing to mention actually, just to have it, yeah. at least you know. Um, some people use GPS, um, ordnance yeah. survey numbers, whatever works in an emergency, I guess. Um, yeah, I think there's quite a few kind of apps and things like that that you can get, but just something that you can easily access that tells you exactly where you are. That's cool. Well, um, sadly, that brings us to the end of this episode. I think we could probably spend more time chatting about these things. So if any of our listeners would like me to have Sophie back on and cover any more of the subjects that we've chatted about today, please let me know. Um, because I'm sure I'm going to collar her later this season anyway to find out how the season's getting on. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Sophie, for giving the time up today and actually joining me. Um, no it's problem. been great. And um, I look forward to seeing you out and about in the venting season and cheering you on and, you know, messaging you and seeing how things are and <laughs> cheering everyone on as well. So, um, but hopefully when I see you, we can have a hot chocolate together and, and chat about stuff and hopefully see you at Cumbria events as well. I know you're a big fan of Cumbria events and we haven't really chatted much about that, but um, I know you already We've have got the one star to... on the calendar, hopefully yes. That's yeah. his little aim for his first international. And Barney will be definitely there because the, the best thing, we, we aim for Warwick as our first one. 
Um, but the reason I love it so much is I once got a 54 in the dressage double clear and still got in the placings. So <laughs> I do enjoy a Cumbria horse trials because the jumping matters more than the dressage, which suits me down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same. No dressage, just do the jumping. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Um, thank you very much. So for our listeners, um, thank you for listening and head over to the Cumbria events page to find out more about what's happening this season. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast because there are a few more episodes to come and uh, I hope to see you at an event in the future. So thank you very much for listening.